As you know, we finished up with the book of Jude last Wednesday night. We had been uh, studying from the book of Jude for about, uh, well, ever how many months it is from December through last Wednesday night. Only one chapter and only a few verses, but a very full book. And so we had done quite a, quite a lengthy study of that little book. And I told you last week as we finished that up that we'd do something different between now, then, and and the beginning of our summer series, which will begin on the Wednesday night after our gospel meeting in uh, June, which will be the second Wednesday night in June when we, when we begin our summer series. But uh, what I want to do over the next few weeks is to look at some different topics. And we'll spend tonight and next week on the one that we'll introduce tonight. On uh, the 15th of this month, Brother Mike Wolf will be teaching the class. I'll be speaking in uh, Fayette County at the Tidwell Chapel Congregation in their spring series. And then we'll have two more Wednesday nights after that that we'll look at a, a different topic. But uh, I want us to begin tonight with the topic that I have chosen. You may, you may, and we'll talk about this more in just a minute, you may wonder why I've chosen this particular one. But last Thursday, which was April the 25th, our Alabama Senate passed a, a lottery bill which uh, will ultimately allow the citizens of the state of Alabama to, to vote on the lottery. And, and now that lottery bill has been passed over to the Alabama House of Representatives. And according to the, uh, to the Speaker of the House, Mac McCutcheon, he said, and I quote, that this will be a priority bill in the House. And so, you know, he's, he's looking forward, I'm sure, to passing it on through. And, and a lot of people, if you listen to the radio and read some of the things that are written in the newspapers, uh, a lot of people are interested in that because they want to vote on it. And, and the majority who want to vote on it don't want to vote it down. They want to vote it so that it'll be passed and it'll be implemented in the state of Alabama. Now, I, we dealt with this when I was in Tennessee. Uh, I was there, of course, for almost 20 years, and so it came up and it eventually passed in the state of Tennessee. But I was looking through some of the material that I had and I ran across some things that, uh, that I did that I, that I had preached or taught about when, when we were up there. But back in 2002, I was holding a meeting or held a meeting at the Evergreen Congregation down in in Evergreen, Alabama, uh, many of you, if you go to Florida and you look up as you come past the Evergreen exit there, you'll look up to the right, or to the left rather, going down, and, and you'll see the Evergreen church building that's there. But I held a gospel meeting there, and while, while I was there during the week, I was invited to be a guest at the weekly meeting of the Kiwanis Club. And they had a special speaker at that particular time. It was in October of 2002, and, and the uh, speaker at that time was State Representative Jimmy Warren, who was a, a Democrat. He was born in Castleberry, Alabama, and he had spent at that time about 30-some-odd years in the, in the Alabama House of Representatives. But he spoke that day at the, um, uh, at the Kiwanis Club meeting, and, and here are some of the things that he said. He said, I am 100% opposed to the state lottery in the state of Alabama. But he went on to say, three or four years ago from that time, he said three or four years ago when there was a referendum concerning amending the Constitution of Alabama, I voted to allow the refer referendum. And then he explained it in this way. He said, uh, uh, I'm still opposed to the lottery, but I promised several people I would let the people 
decide. Well, I don't know how much you remember about that, but I had jotted down in my notes and researched it at that time that, well, actually I jotted down what he said and then researched it just a little bit more. He said when the votes were counted, 70% of the people of, of Alabamians said no. And they, he went on to say, they made the right decision. And so uh, that prompted me to do a, a little bit of, uh, of study and a little bit of work because it was about that same time uh, that the issue was, uh, uh, was happening, was being debated and about to be voted on in the state of Tennessee. But now, 20 years later almost, there has been a lot of change. And even though 70% of Alabamians voted it down the last time that it was uh, brought up, uh, a lot has changed in the, the morals and the mentality of people in these past almost 20 years. A lot of difference. And I'm quite fearful that if the House passes the lottery bill, that our citizens will vote to implement the lottery in the state of Alabama. And so somebody may say, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Well, let me just say it really quickly right here at this point. There's a lot wrong with it. And I'm going to leave it right there for just a minute, and I'll come back to that. But there is a lot that's wrong with it. But in the meantime, I want to ask you a question. Why do we need to study about the lottery? Why do we need to have questions about it? Why do we need to think about it on Wednesday night? Why, why, do, we, why do we need to do that? Somebody might say, well, of those present on a Wednesday night, as I look out across the crowd tonight, uh, most probably are already against it. And I sure hope so. I think, uh, I, I think from a biblical perspective that most would be, but we still need to look at it. Again, I want to refer back to 2002. Some of the things that, uh, that we went through and some of the research that I did during 2002, I came across an Associated Press article uh, that was published in uh, uh, the newspapers at that time in the state of Tennessee. It was dated August 25th of 2002, but it stated that the gambling-free Tennessee had targeted, watch this, now this is gambling-free Tennessee, they had targeted Christians, and we'll put that in the broadest sense of the word, they had taught us, uh, targeted Christians to try to defeat the lottery, producing some 6,000 videos mailed to churches statewide. Now why did they target Christians? And again, put that in quotation marks. Why did they target Christians in trying to defeat the lottery in Tennessee in 2002? Well, according to the article, their internal polling showed that a strong majority of Christians, quote unquote, were for the lottery in the state of Tennessee. Absolutely. And put that in quotation marks. Let me throw something else at you. Their internal polling showed 
in a survey that was done in the fall of 2001, and of course that, uh, that, that went on for months and months and months, you know, the issue of the lottery, but the survey in the fall of 2001 found that 62%, listen to that number, 62% of self-identified, and this is in the newspaper, of self-identified Baptist supported the lottery for the state of Tennessee. 62%. According to the same article, a brother by the name of Jeff Smith, who at the time attended the Brentwood Hills uh, congregation, Brentwood Hills Church of Christ, over in the Nashville area, was one of those Christians, again quoting from the article, who planned to vote for the lottery. And they quoted him in the, in the newspaper as saying, I'd rather see the tax dollars come to Tennessee instead of going to Kentucky and Georgia, said the 31-year-old resident. How many of you have heard, well, we'd, we'd rather see the tax dollars come to Alabama than going over to Georgia or Tennessee or even Florida? That's one of the arguments. And, and that's, that's one thing that he said. And... Uh, uh, he went on to say, and they quoted him in, again in the newspaper, you have the choice to either buy it or not buy it, buy the tickets, buy the, buy the scratch-offs and all those kinds of things. In the same article, in the same Associated Press story, there was this quote. And it ought to at least rattle your cage at the very least. If a lottery passes in Tennessee, and by the way, it did. If a lottery passes in Tennessee, it'll be because Baptists, churches of Christ, Southern Protestants voted for it. Michael Gilstrap, campaign director for the Gambling Free Tennessee Alliance, said. I don't know about y'all, but that ought to rattle our cage, at the very least. Members of the Lord's Church even called out in the AP story as being for it. You know, that statement was made back then, but I would predict the same to be true this time around in the state of Alabama. That if there is a lottery that it's passed, then the religious, quote-unquote, the Christians, quote-unquote, even members of the body of Christ will be some of the ones who make that possible. Somebody says, well, wouldn't it be better to talk about this on a Sunday morning when, when a lot more folks are present? Well, don't worry about it. I will. As time grows closer, we'll talk about it more. We'll deal with it. We'll talk about it from the Bible. But I want us to understand tonight that I can't, the elders can't, none of us can fight the battle alone. It'll take all of us working together as God's sons and daughters, as God's people, if we want to stand up for what's right. And so I want each one of us who's in this room tonight and next week and more as we, as we have the opportunity to deal with it, I want us to be armed with the information so that, number one, we can make the, the correct uh, decision, the correct choice 
ourselves. I want us to be biblically informed, not Mark informed. I don't want you taking my opinion. I want us to be biblically informed so that we can make the proper decision. And not only do I want us to be able ourselves to make the right decision, but I also want us to be armed with information to share with other folks to help them too make the right decision. And so, again, we want that to be, we want that to be not opinion-based, but we want that to be Bible-based. And we'll look at some of those things tonight and, and next week as well. As we think about the lottery, one thing that we need to, to look at and that we need to think about right off the top of the bat is simply this. A lottery is legalized gambling. Is it not? Would you agree with that? That it is legalized gambling. And so, what is gambling? If I ask you tonight to define gambling, how would you define it? Well, Peter Cooper, who incidentally used to be the preacher at the Evergreen Congregation, wrote an article that was published in the Gospel Advocate in uh, uh, March of 1994. And in that article... uh, he wrote a definition as of gambling as this. Now listen to it. Gambling is risking something of value, hoping for substantial gain, which is generated by the losses of others who are participating in a similar task. Now that's a simple uh, definition of gambling, but you know what? That's probably one of the best definitions of gambling that I've ever heard. Now think about it again. Listen to it carefully again. Gambling is risking something of value, hoping for substantial gain, which is generated by the losses of others who are participating in a similar risk. That's about as concise as you get in regard to to gambling. And and I would suggest to you tonight that if uh, uh, an activity contains all three of those major components that I just mentioned there and read in that definition, then it's gambling. That's what it is, plain and simple. It, it, it can't, you can't get around that. But what I want us to do is look at those individual uh, uh, phrases that, are, that, that Peter used, and, and I want us to think about a few things in regard to that. Number one, he said that gambling is risking something of value. Now, something of value uh, is not necessarily limited to money, is it? There can be other things that are of value, uh, possessions or services or concepts or other kinds of things can have value that are attached to them. And so something of value is, is not just money. Uh, But I also want you to understand in regard to this idea of of risking something of value that the definition does not include this. It does not include the word great. It does not include the word great, something of great value. For you see, we could risk a penny or we could risk a million dollars. And we would still be risking something of value. One's a, excuse me, a lot less value than the other, 
but it is still something of value. And so, that is to say, if we were to go to a casino or something of that nature, and we put, I don't even know what they quarter maybe or whatever they do now, you know, uh, that, that's... that. Yeah. I was going. I was going to ask Derek when was the last time he had been. So. I still understand that there are some places and, and some that are even raided here in the state of Tennessee, I mean in the state of Alabama occasionally, where you put the actual money, whether it's a quarter, which is not that much, or some other uh, amount, you're still risking something of value. But now notice the second part of that definition. Hoping for substantial gain. Hoping for, you want to take what you put in, and you don't want to get, say you put in a quarter, you don't want to get just a quarter back. That's not what your goal is, is it? Uh, when, you're, when you're gambling. I mean, if you bought a... Yeah, if you, if you bought one of the scratch-offs, you know, you don't want to buy, and I don't even know how much they cost anymore, but I uh, used to sort of keep up with it a little bit in the state of Tennessee. Not that I was doing it, but... Uh, it'll be some other things that comes up a little bit later that we'll talk about more. But, but you know, you may want to spend a dollar, but you don't want to get a dollar back. You want, to, uh, you want to get several times your spend, uh, what you're spending. And so we're talking about substantial, but what is substantial? Uh, it's still a subjective word, isn't it? Still subjective. And so... Maybe I just put in, maybe I put in a quarter and I got $5 back. Well, it's still a substantial gain based on what you put in. You put in, what, one quarter, maybe, and you got how many quarters back? Five times four, you got 20, so you got 19 more quarters than what you put in. Except for all those others that you put in before that, trying to get to that one. When you put 30 in, you got 19 back. And thought you made a, made a killing. Substantial. And so, you know, if we, the more we risked in, in gambling, then, you know, the more we'd need to win in order to get that substantial gain. But, but uh, let's just take it, for example, let's just say we doubled, doubled the investment. Now, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? A lot of investors, actual investors, would be glad to double their investment, would they not? Be happy to get some money back and at least double what they, they have spent on in investments. You know, there are some investors that make some pretty good profits, aren't they? Out in our world, some investors who do. I'm not talking about gamblers, I'm talking about investors. I want us to understand tonight... When we're talking about that substantial gain, that the problem is not with getting gain. That's not the problem. 
You see, there's actually nothing wrong with making a profit, is there? <laughs> You'd love to try it and see? Well, let's just go, let's just think about the Bible for a minute. In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, don't we find an example of a man who wanted uh, some profit? In the story that Jesus told when he took his money and his belongings and divided it among three of his servants, one he gave five talents, one he gave two, and the other one he gave one. And when he came home and the one with one talent didn't have anything to show for it, he was, he was angry with him. Jesus told that story, made a point, uh, but he didn't, Jesus never told stories that, that, that made points that were wrong. And when we think about prophets, you know, there were some great men of the Bible, were there not, who were quite successful. They, they prospered a lot, didn't they? What does the Bible say about Abraham? You remember? In, in addition, you know, to being uh, faithful to God, but what does it say about his uh, prosperity? Do what, Mike? He was a wealthy man. Wealthy man? Is that all it says? Very yeah, you got another modifier there, don't you? He was very wealthy. And yet we look at Abraham and the Bible looks at Abraham as being one of the most faithful people to ever live on the face of God's earth. Right? And so there's nothing wrong with being prosperous in, in, in that sense. Not only was Abraham uh, wealthy, but what about Job? Back up before the time of Abraham. Was he not a prosperous man? And when, uh, uh, when everything that he had was taken away... Uh, through, uh, through Satan, and God uh, uh, stepped in and blessed him again, did God make him wealthy again? Matter of fact, how wealthy did God make him when he stepped in? You remember? God gave him double of everything, didn't he? When you go to the end of the book of Job. And so he was wealthy to begin with, but God made him even more wealthy at the end of the book. And you can go on, there, there are many others, Jacob and Joseph and others, who, who became quite wealthy. You see, it's not the prophet. It's the undue desire for the substantial gain. And the way that the gain is gotten, that is the problem. There. Absolutely. Somebody's got to lose. Somebody, many people lose in the process. We're going to just ignore that. Right. We'll come back to that in just a second. Hang on to your thought there. But what does Hebrews 13, verse 5 say? Somebody read that passage. Y'all going to have to do some work tonight, too. Hebrews 13, verse 5. 
Let your conduct be without what? What is covetousness? Somebody read it from the English Standard. Anybody have an English Standard translation of it? All right, first part of that again. Uh, I don't know what, which one Derek was reading from. Keep uh, uh, free from covetousness. Well, what is covetousness? Well, they've helped us out a little bit there with it. Keep yourself free from the love of money, the love of stuff, the love of things, the love of money. What about, uh, what about that idea of the love of money is a problem? All of us have heard 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, have we not? What did Paul write and say there in that passage? And again, somebody read that for us. I want to see if it reads that way, same way that I read it in, in, in your Bible. Let's see if it, how it reads. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. All right. Love of money does what? It's a a root. What's a root? I know we live in the country. I know y'all know what a root is. What's a root? A feeder. A feeder. Okay. So that's where all the nutrients and stuff comes up into the into the plant. Well, the love of money is the root of what? What does that mean? If I've got the love of money in my heart and a root is a feeder, what's coming up into my heart? What's being fed into the heart? All, all, all kind, how do I get more money? You know, have you ever known of somebody who wanted more money and would cheat somebody in order to get it? Or somebody who wanted more money and would steal in order to get it? You know, you could go on and, and you know, what kinds of things will people who have money and, 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 and what are some things that money brings? Power, doesn't it? And prestige and some of these other kinds of things. And, and so what will people do in order to keep their power? What's going on down in Venezuela right now? People will do just about anything they can in order to keep it. And so the love of money is being fed by evil. Uh, by the way, why did God destroy the earth during the days of Noah? Man's thoughts were only evil continually. When the mind 
that's being fed by the love of money gets like that, we have a hard time living the Christian life. Now, that doesn't mean that, that prosper, prosperous folks can't be Christian. That's not what we're saying. But when we get the desire to have it and we'll do anything to get it, that's when we are in trouble. Now, we're not talking about profit, but unlike a profit in a business, you know, the substantial gain of gambling is generated by, as Derek mentioned a moment ago, the loss of other folks, right? I mean, the government that runs the, the state lotteries, they don't just cut a check to somebody out of, you know, the leftover money that the, uh, that the legislators brought, you know, and, and put in, they, they took up a collection one day at the, uh, at the House and at the Senate chambers, whatever they had left over, they just wrote a check to the lottery winner, did they? No, that's not where it came from. Derek's already stated somebody, somebody had to lose. But how can we justify taking even a dollar from someone without giving something of value in return? How would you justify that? Oh, it's just a little bit. Well, what if I stole just a little bit? What if I just... I saw, I saw your $5 bill. You know, it was, it was sticking out of your pocket. I just reached over and grabbed it and stuck it in mine. Y'all caught me doing that. How long would I be the preacher here? That's a question, y'all. Questions deserve answers. Do what? Well, I, I hope not. That's, that's not the point. But what, what, if, what if we did? Indulge me for a minute. How many folks would put up with that? Just, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. As long as it's somebody else's. Y'all know the answer to that. And you can say it, and I, I, I'm heartily agreeing with that. What's the difference if we're taking what doesn't belong to us at the expense and the loss of another? What does Matthew 7 verse 12 say? Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. So Derek just got through saying as long as it wasn't his, it wouldn't make any difference. And I know he's being facetious there. But, but Derek, would you really want me to take it? I'd go on with him tonight. If it was yours? Mm-mm. Nobody would. Nobody would. Derek uh, <clears throat> just made my point for me there a second ago. Nobody would. And so why would we treat others in a way that we don't want to be treated ourselves. What about Matthew 22, 39, and 40? Matthew chapter 22, verses 39 and 40. All right. Love your neighbor as who? And you don't want somebody taking your stuff. So why would you take theirs? And, and think about this. Is that really showing love? 
by taking theirs. Somebody said, well, they chose to lose it, so we just take advantage of it. Well, that's really a good excuse for a Christian, isn't it? Yeah, a lot. A lot. They're, they're, they're choosing to lose it. All right, we're running short on time tonight. We've got about two minutes left before the bell is going to ring. And I want you to note tonight <clears throat> that it may be three weeks that we'll study this. Because we haven't even gotten off the definition. We really and truly haven't even gotten to the meat of what the Bible says about gambling and how there's stuff wrong with it. And so I hope you'll be back next week. We'll continue on further with that. We'll start out next week by looking at some attempts that people make to justify it. Some arguments that they make in order to justify gambling. And I'll give you some answers from the Bible. I'm not a politician, but I do study politics and things of that nature. I know they are wanting to give choice to folks. One hope that the state has is that the other quote-unquote gambling interests will step in and say, I don't want you cutting in on my territory. Oh, yeah, that's, that's happened. That, that, that happens a bunch. And so, you know, as you think, as you think about that, we, we can get into the politics of things, you know, from that standpoint. Thing, I would say, though, is that if you look at the states around us, it's probably inevitable that it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's, that's, that was my point at the beginning. But at the same time, we don't, uh, uh, we don't ever want to give our uh, endorsement to that which is not in harmony with God's Word no matter what it is or where it is. And so that's where, we, that's, where we have to, that's where we have to learn, number one, God's Word, so that we know how to make, as I stated a while ago, the correct decisions and be able to help others make the correct decisions as well. We'll talk about some attempts to make it, uh, uh, to justify gambling itself. And, and then uh, I may get to next week uh, some statistics in regard to gambling in the United States of America and just how much is spent annually. You may be surprised. Let me just share with you one thing. Just the casinos that are in Las Vegas and New Jersey those legalized casinos from that standpoint, do you realize that they make more 
than the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the National Hockey League combined. Roll that one in your head for a while.